Where Brooklyn at? Where Brooklyn at? What's up, everyone? My name is Najee Adams, and I'm one half of the dynamic hosting duo of the Hoopball Nets podcast right here in the Hoopball Podcast Network. Myself, along with my best friend, Hunter Jacobs, cover everything about New York's best basketball team. Sorry, Knicks fans. Join us as we journey into a new era of Nets basketball with superstars Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant while having a whole lot of fun along the way. As your one-stop shop for all things Nets, we've got it all. From their title odds next season, all the way to what we think their NBA 2K rating should be. Just two native New Yorkers talking about Brooklyn hoops. What could be better? Swing us a follow at Hoopball Nets on Twitter and subscribe to the show everywhere that podcast can be found. We've got Brooklyn Grit. Come show us you do too. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another week of Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vespers, and this is, of course, a hoopball presentation. Coming out of last week, we were working on our list, our re-list, whatever the hell you want to call it, the Resumption NBA Draft Board. We got through our top 35, basically, players on the list with a handful of guys that were pushed off to the side and a number of dudes that just aren't going and we'll be picking up where we left off on that front today. First things first, though, getting this uh, this pod up and rolling here. Want to make sure we recap anything that happened over the weekend. And most of the stuff, unfortunately, was related to who is or is not attending the NBA restart and different facilities getting shut down due to COVID cases. I have questions on this front, and I don't know that I have great answers, but what I believe to be true... And this isn't one of those, like, sometimes if you believe it enough, then it just becomes true. No, this is what I believe is going on. And if someone out there has done more digging than I have, then I certainly invite you to fill in some of the blanks here. But uh, what, I, what, what I'm looking at, and we had the Kings facility get shut down, uh, the Bucks facility got shut down, I believe the Heat facility got shut down late last week, Um. The point of all of this is, number one, every time one of these things happens, everybody goes crazy, which I think in this case is actually warranted. Remember on a podcast last week, I basically said, look, if you guys are reacting to every positive COVID test by yelling that the NBA should be shut down, it's just not going to happen. We're overreacting. There's too many things going on. And frankly, this was part of the process, getting guys tested before entry to the bubble. Looking back now at what's gone on, and it's July 6th. Don't worry, we'll get our countdown going here in a minute. What what I think maybe the NBA could have done better is transparency on how the schedule is working for each team. Because even someone like me, who's been watching this thing extremely closely, I'm still not fully sure exactly the timeline for everybody. I believe, I believe and I'm fairly certain this part is right, that the teams reconvened in a home market about two weeks ago. Everybody got tested so they could figure out who the hell could actually practice. Some teams apparently practiced before. Perhaps they got all their results back, and that's why they've had to shut everything down. But that part was always the tricky part, because when people came back to their home markets, they should 
have had to do a full two-week f- complete isolation quarantine. Not a partial. And that's the part that's bugging me, is that I feel like that was supposed to have happened between, like, June 10th and June 23rd, June 24th. And the number of positives that still happened in that stretch leads me to believe that either players didn't come back and quarantine, or they quarantined in their own city and then traveled. Something didn't go right. Or maybe the the league just wasn't explicit enough about what the players needed to do during that ramp-up. This process should have always been players come back to their home markets, quarantine for two weeks, practice for however long you want, this weird little training camp, one week, two weeks, travel, get retested to make sure nobody did anything dumb, then go to Orlando, quarantine again, and then practice in Orlando. That's how it always should have been. This really should have been like a two-month ramp-up because of the need for these quarantines. But instead, what I think we're seeing is that maybe, I don't know if players didn't take it seriously, or if the rules weren't set out the right way, or if players came back to their home markets later than I originally believed they did. That seems like a very possible uh, conclusion to all of this. But now you're getting all these positive tests, and they're shutting down practice facilities, and it's going to delay things. Some players are probably not going to travel with their teams to Orlando. They have to wait until they clear the COVID protocol. So I feel too, I feel very differently about the way these two things have been revealed to us. There were all the, the, there was the rollout. There was the, we tested everybody and this is what they had of last week and the week before that, which to me was like, all right, fine. This is what people had. That should have been what they had when they re-entered their home market prior to quarantining, prior to practicing as a team. But instead, something somehow along the way, everything got wedged together. And so now we get these reports that they're closing practice facilities, which to me is a bigger deal than the original positive tests. The original positive tests should have happened before these players partook. Partook? We're partaking in team practices. Hopefully they did. I don't know if they did. They haven't told us that. We've been kept in the dark on this one step. And I don't really get that at all. I don't know why we've been kept in the dark on this one step. As fans, if the NBA came out and said, look, we expected there to be X number of positive tests. So we told teams, look, if you get positive tests, shut down your practice facility. Maybe they figured there would be some teams that didn't have any positive tests. And it's, it sounds like that's a possibility. Maybe some teams didn't have any. Or maybe they just had like one on the staff who didn't touch any of the equipment. But a handful of teams here are closing down their practice, practice facilities. The Bucks, the Kings, the Heat. I'm sure there's another that I'm forgetting in there. Which leads me to believe, I mean, this is 3, 4 out of, out of 22. So something went wrong with those 3 or 4 teams that didn't go wrong with the other 18 or 19 teams. But no one's really telling us what it is that went wrong. Was it that players that should have been quarantined on those clubs were playing, were touching things, were in contact with other players on those teams? Was it somehow that those teams maybe got together too early? 
Did they get together before test results came back? Something went wrong with only three or four of the 22 teams. Somehow, the other 18 or 19 seemed to be doing this right. But what was the thing that went wrong? Did a player that initially tested negative test positive two days later? That's a possibility. Perhaps there was an exposure while they were traveling back to their hometown or their team's hometown. This is why this stuff needed to be spread out farther. They needed to be able to travel and then quarantine because you get exposed when you travel. Unless you drive yourself across the entire country in a car. Don't see anybody else. Coop up in an automobile. Don't run into anyone. Don't sleep in a hotel. Don't do anything. That's the, that's the one way. I mean, if they took a plane, exposures. If they slept in a hotel, exposures. All these things. When they got back to their home market, players should have had to sit for 7 to 10 days, then get tested. Maybe less. I guess you could get tested less than that because even if you're an asymptomatic carrier, you know, sit for 4 days. Then get tested. Then you know if you have to close your practice facility down. I don't know. Something went weird. Something went cockeyed with these three or four teams that didn't with everybody else. And I want to know what it is. And they're being a bit secretive because everybody seems to have some COVID tests and some teams don't have to close their practice down. How is it that those teams are able to keep it open? What was different? The only thing I think is that on those teams, the players that tested positive weren't in the facility. They quarantined the right way. I don't know. So as little as uh, as little fear as I had last week with the entry positive test, because we knew there'd be some. If you expected them to be zero, it's just it's madness. That just wasn't going to be the case. As little as that bothered me, because I thought, all right, fine, you quarantine these guys. The fact that places are shutting down and we don't fully understand what they did wrong versus other spots that allowed that got to this point. That does actually worry me a little bit. But whatever, we forge ahead. No one's come out and said, Kings closed down their practice facility, so we're just not going to do this thing. It just seems like if there were exposures on these teams, then, I mean, how many other players could end up with it? The Kings, the Bucks, the Heat? What if, I mean, their whole team could end up in Orlando two weeks late. They may not get a real training camp. Then you're looking at injuries and just... I'm telling you, man, I, I know everybody on the team isn't going to get it, but I don't, something something smells off about this part. But whatever, we're just going for it, so screw it. And I'm, you know, again, selfishly, I'm glad, but something weird going on here. 24 days away from the NBA's restart. Uh, countdown calendar is our friend right now. Ooh, 24 days, guys. Just a little over three weeks. That's nothing. That's nothing. We shut this sucker down on March 11th. March 11th. It was three and a half weeks just to get to April from that point, (laughs) basically. All right, three weeks to get to April. How many weeks have we been down now? I think we're at like 16 and a half weeks since the NBA shut down. Well, lucky for us, everything is in totally fine shape everywhere. Jeez. Well, we continue to monitor it. 
my heart, man, my heart can't take this kind of up and down. One day, everything seems fine. The next day, everything's a disaster. The NBA, MLB, who's going to make it? Anybody? Everybody's placing odds on these things. Will it restart? Will they get to the end of it? I just, We just don't know, man. It's all based on whether someone's an optimist or a pessimist at this point. A pragmatist. All right, well, let's dive back into the fantasy stuff because the uh, rest of this is just stressing me out, and uh, that's enough of that for a podcast. So, Dan, take a deep breath. Let's get there. Let's do this. Come on, we can do this. We can make it. We can make it, guys. We just need these guys to take this damn thing seriously. As of Friday, we had worked through the top 35, roughly, of our NBA resumption draft board. Again, if you want to play in some of these resumption leagues, they've got them over at Fantrax. It's the only place I know of right now that has these leagues available. So that's cool. Uh, I will be in a Roto resumption league because I want something to do from a fantasy standpoint. I'm not going to do all this work for nothing. Here's where we're at. If you didn't listen to our shows last week, I'm going to do a quick recap here. I'll try to keep it under two minutes. We, um, One thing to note as we go into this recap is that None of these names are set in stone right now. We're working our way through the list piece by piece. We are through the top 50 of the pre-resumption NBA player board, which means we got as far as Danilo Gallinari. But over that list, there were roughly 10 names that uh, are not traveling. Am I getting that right? Yeah, I think there's about 10 names that aren't traveling and then five additional names that I had pushed off to the side. There were actually six, but I brought one of them back out of the mix, and that was Brandon Ingram. But the other five names that are pushed off to the side are Hassan Whiteside, Jonathan Isaac, Rashawn Holmes, Rudy Gobert, and DeMar DeRozan, and we're working on slotting those guys in when we get to generally the point where they belong. But because we're doing this player by player, we are plotting our way through this draft board one by one, Sometimes we get to a name that actually slots in above the others. As a point of reference, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Bam Adebayo, who during the regular season on a per-game basis, Bam was 40, Shea was 45. I have them slotted on our NBA resumption board well ahead of some of the guys that were in front of them during the regular season. Bam I have at 22, Shea at 23 right now. Frankly, because I think they're just going to play more games than some of the guys who ranked in front of them on a per-game basis during the regular season. I think there's a reasonable chance those guys each play in all eight games, and that's a huge advantage during this resumption season. So I'm going to read off the list of the top 35 guys right now to you, as it currently stands, and then as we start to once again look at names on our on the, the total name board, and frankly, the first name we're going to look at today is Tobias Harris, almost definitely will slot above the next spot on our list. I doubt he's going to be 36. He'll probably be above a couple of these names because the Sixers are going to be playing, and Tobias is unbelievably durable. He played in all 65 games this year. He was number 51 on a per-game basis, and well above that by totals. Who wants to place wagers on where you think Tobias Harris ended up by totals this year? 24. Yeah, old man squad coming in hot right there because of durability, consistency and durability. All right, so here's our list. 
<sighs> Ace Ventura style. We'll go through a few of these names since many of you heard them last week. James Harden, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, and currently Bradley Beal, although uh, we may find out soon that he's not going, in which case you just shuttle everybody up a spot. Vooch, Porzingis, Doncic, Joel Embiid, Paul George, Kyle Lowry, Giannis, DeAndre Ayton, Ben Simmons, Rob Covington. That's our top 20. Devin Booker, Bam, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Middleton, Pascal Siakam. I'm still contemplating moving Middleton farther down. I don't think he's going to play that many games. Uh, after Siakam is Kemba Walker, Freddie Van Vliet, Russell Westbrook, Drew Holiday, Donovan Mitchell, Jonas Valanciunas, Gordon Hayward, Demonis Sabonis, Gallo, and Brandon Ingram. That's where we sat with that uh, 35 right now. But just as a point of reference, again, back to what we were talking about just a minute ago, the next player on the original list, meaning the rank list that everybody had going into this resumption, Tobias Harris, who finished at number 51 on a per-game basis, there's almost no chance that he plays fewer games than some of the guys in front of him here on this list. And for that reason, I think you can move Tobias up the chart a little bit. Uh, not that he deserves to be way, way up the board, but I see no reason why he should be behind the likes of, for instance, uh, I mean, Gordon Hayward. There's a chance he might leave for the birth of a child. Demonis Sabonis. Those guys should be pretty close, I think. Sabonis could play in all those games. Gallo, he's got to miss one, right? So let's put Tobias Harris just in front of Gallo for now, and we reserve the right to move him farther up the board uh, as necessary. And frankly, as we get more news on guys like Gordon Hayward, we may want to shuffle him down the board a little bit because it sounds like he might miss some games during this resumption season. And he's not the only one. So Tobias Harris slots in at 34. That pushes Gallo and Brandon Ingram down the chart a little bit. Jamal Murray was the next name on the original list. He was number 52 in the pre-NBA at 19 points, four boards, five assists. We've talked about Denver already. They have a pretty good reason to want to play these games out, and that is they don't want to have to deal with uh, the Lakers bracket. But at the same time, in the, in the Western Conference, the one thing you really don't want to do is fall to a point where you have to deal with the Lakers or the Clippers in the first round, and none of these teams are really in jeopardy of doing that. So for Jamal Murray, I think there's a chance that he maybe sits one game out, or perhaps they just keep his minutes dialed in check for the most part. But I'm going to put him right behind Tobias Harris, and that's going to move Gallo down one more slot. I don't know that I'm going to push Gallo much farther away. I think he's almost guaranteed to sit out one game during this resumption, but I also believe Oklahoma City has a lot to play for, and I expect them to be uh, pretty gung-ho with how they're using their guys. It's why, uh, it's why we have Chris Paul so high. It's why we have Shea so high, and Gallo is going to stay relatively high himself. Number 53 originally was Norman Powell, uh, he play, averaged 29 minutes a game this year, but of course his game, his season was very much a mixed bag in that uh, started very slowly. The Raptors got badly injured. He stepped in and played a monster role while everybody was out, earned himself a bigger role coming back, but really wasn't the you know top 40 guy when everybody was healthy on this team. And, on top of everything else, a lot of his damage was because of percentages. Dude shot 50% from the field, 84 at the free throw line. That buoyed numbers that 
were also uh, in good shape because of low turnovers. Didn't rebound or assist very much. It was mostly for Norman Powell. He was able to score at a good clip, and his steals were much better this year. Opportunity to get some steals on the floor. So I think with the Raptors staring down the barrel of kind of being in that weird Boston-Milwaukee buffer zone, I don't think that everyone on that team plays all eight games. There's there's sort of no reason to do it unless Boston closes the gap early in this resumption campaign. I think we can probably put Norman Powell at the end of our list right now. Just put him at put him at 38. I'll put him behind Brandon Ingram at this point. Uh, and we'll probably end up slotting some guys in between those two dudes or even still in front of Ingram as we work our way down the list. It's worth uh, taking a moment also every once in a while, and I don't know that we're there yet, to pause and look at some of the names on our sidebar chart. Guys like a Rudy Gobert, do we think he's going to be healthy enough coming back from uh, the COVID? Where does Hassan Whiteside clock in? Is Jonathan Isaac going to play? I think of all these guys, Gobert has got to be the next one we consider throwing into the mix. And I would venture to say he's pretty close but I don't know that I would put him in yet, at least not until we get some kind of positive news related to his health situation. Because he said he's still feeling the effects of COVID. Some, I mean, we're almost four months out from when he actually had it. Um, let, let's go ahead and throw Rudy Gobert in there uh, behind Ingram, but in front of Norman Powell. I, I think he'll probably get drafted before it gets to our slot here. But that's a risk that I'm not super thrilled about taking. Mitchell Robinson was a number 54. He's not playing, so we jump along to number 55, and that was Miles Turner, who also had a little bit of an up-and-down season, actually played much better recently once Victor Oladipo came back. So it's worth noting, Oladipo not going. Malcolm Brogdon still questionable to return for the resumption season for Indiana. And if all those guys are out, I think the first thought is, well, sure, I mean, that should be more stuff for Miles Turner to do, but you throw Aaron Holiday into the starting lineup and there is no chemistry, none at all for Turner. If anything, it helps Demonis Sabonis because he'll just go do stuff. TJ Warren will get some help. He'll go do stuff if everybody's sitting out. But Turner, he's in that pick-and-pop mold where he needs Oladipo. And last year, he needed Darren Collison to get him the ball in the right spot. And some of these other point guards just don't do it for him. So while I have a lot of confidence in Miles Turner to be okay, I'm just not that thrilled about his prospects here if the guys that get him the ball are missing in action. So I'm just going to leave him where he was, basically. I'll put him in front of Norman Powell, who I think slots back a little bit. Uh, but I'm just I'm not excited about Miles Turner during this resumption campaign. That said, he could pop off and go block crazy. And be one of the best players in fantasy because what if he averages four blocks a game for eight games? So there is that other side of it. But, boy, I, I mean, we've seen what he looks like when he doesn't have the guys getting him the ball on offense where he likes it. And he'll he'll zonk out a little bit. Again, we reserve the right to move these bodies around. D'Angelo Russell at 56, not going. Marcus Spar uh, Smart at 57 is going. But to me, had more of a success when guys were out. So I'm going to put him at the end of our list, someone that I think slots lower than his final numbers this year would indicate. Because Kemba's back, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, 
They're all healthy. Gordon Hayward, healthy. So Marcus Smart now, back to being the fifth wheel as opposed to a fourth. It's a big difference from the fifth wheel. The fourth is a starting gig. Kevin Love, not coming. TJ Warren. This is an interesting one. He was 59 on a per-game basis during the regular season. No Victor Oladipo and no Jeremy Lamb. TJ Warren should be really, really good during this resumption campaign. He was awesome towards the end of the regular season. Terrific percentages, ultra-low turnovers, good scoring numbers, decent enough steals and blocks, combined 1.5. I'd love to see a little bit more rebounding, but with Sabonis and Miles Turner in there, and TJ slotted in as basically the permanent small forward, it's just not going to be that much higher. But you could easily see him averaging 20 points a game with no Oladipo and no Jeremy Lamb. And if Malcolm Brogdon doesn't show up, he's going Chuck City. So I actually love TJ Warren during this resumption campaign. And in terms of where I would put him on my draft board, well, that's a little different than where I think these guys are, are going to end up. But that's the thing. Because we don't really have any idea where people are going, we're not going to have a lot of ADP data to work with. You pretty much just have to get super aggressive. The reason that I promote being so, uh, not passive, I don't think that's the right word during a normal fantasy draft. Uh, I'd use the word conservative, but I don't want people to take it the wrong way. I, let's, let's call it conservative. It's a conservative attitude towards NBA fantasy drafts. I like to use ADPs because then you know where guys are going, and generally you can wait a little bit longer. You could look at it from another standpoint as well, which is I'm actually rolling the dice by waiting on certain guys. It's how you perceive risk. Is the risk drafting someone too early, or is the risk trying to let that person fall to your fantasy team. During the regular season, a normal draft, normally in October, this year probably in December, our risk that we take is letting guys fall. Because to me, the positives outweigh the negatives. The positives there are the guy does fall to you and you get a massive value. The negatives are he doesn't fall to you, you don't get him, but somebody else got him potentially a little bit too early. With this resumption season, I don't think you can operate like that because we don't know when these guys are going to get drafted. So you legitimately have to just take guys basically, basically, not 100%, but basically where you think they're going to end up. So if you ask me right now, where do I think TJ Warren ends up? I, I think he ends up as a top 40 in this resumption fantasy player. Again, he was number 60 before. Even if you just took out the names in front of him, that doesn't get him. That gets him pretty close to number 40. 60, what is 27% of 60? 16. So that would take him to about number 44. And I think he gets better than that during this resumption campaign. So I would put him, and we'll work up from the bottom. Would I put him in front of Marcus Smart? Yes. Norman Powell? Yes. His teammate, Miles Turner? Yeah, I think he actually outplays Miles Turner. Rudy Gobert? questionable Brandon Ingram Danilo Gallinari I think he's in this range somewhere Jamal Murray Gallo Ingram I'm going to put him in front of Gallo because I think TJ Warren has one of the better resumption campaigns here especially if we find out Brogdon's not going if we find out he's not going then other people are going to push him up their draft board too but probably not as high as we are 
There's a lot to like with Indy if they're trimmed down by 40% of their starters and their leading bench scorer. Before we get to the next guy on the list, I want to remind everybody that this podcast is brought to you by our buddies at Manscaped.com. A huge deal for us here at HoopBall. Manscaped.com, the best in men's grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools. They obsess over their technology. And over the last 18 months, they've upgraded the Lawnmower 2.0 to the just-released Lawnmower 3.0 with a built-in LED light illuminating your grooming areas while you're doing it. It's shower safe. It's water resistant. It's got a battery life of 90 minutes. Who the hell needs to go 90 minutes on one shave? But if you do, you can. And 20% off and free shipping with the promo code HOOPBALL20. 20% off free shipping promo code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com. Again, I don't ask you guys for a lot, but this is it. Please check them out. Manscaped.com. This is such a big deal for us to get a partner uh, with the reputation of Manscaped. It's fantastic. This is a really, 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 really big deal. And we need your help to make sure that this is a profitable partnership for all parties involved. So check it out. Get a great product. Get it on discount with free shipping. And make Manscaped and HoopBall both very, very happy in the process. Want to also let everybody know our continued recruiting uh, is not over We have gotten some great applicants that are slotting into our system already. But if you want to be a part of our sales, DFS, or betting operations, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, Dan Bespris is spelled, well, Dan, you should get that part, Bespris, B-E-S-B-R-I-S. That's two B's, two S's, if you're wondering what the hell those letters were. They're not great to do over a podcast, but that's where we're at right now. Thank you for listening to that part, everybody. Let's get back into the fantasy. Ricky Rubio, number 60. We've heard that he might not play a full allotment of minutes. I'm still, I'm considering putting him in front of Marcus Smart, but for now, because there's questions over whether he'll play all eight games and whether he'll even play 30 minutes in the eight games as kind of the veteran that would be better off just staying healthy and letting the young guys have some fun. We're going to slot him at the end. We'll slot him at the end here. Are we getting close to any of our weighty list guys? Whiteside? Probably dodging him with everybody healthy. Uh, Well, not everybody, but front court back in Portland. Jonathan Isaac still waiting. Rashawn Holmes? Eh, We're starting to get close there on Rashawn. And DeMar DeRozan, I just... I don't see how he plays more than like three of these games. So no, I'm not bringing any of the waitlist guys in just yet. Number 61 in the regular season was Brooke Lopez, and uh, this this could be an ugly resumption for him. I, I, you know, there's so much volatility to his fantasy game. It's it's heavily contingent on three pointers and blocks. And if he's, you know, he's a guy that you know Milwaukee is going to want to keep healthy, so his minutes are going to be down. There's almost no way he plays in all eight of these games. And the only guy on this list I would consider putting him in front of would have been Rubio. Ricky Rubio, who might also not play very much. So I think we'll put Brooke Lopez in front of Ricky Rubio. But those two are, at this point, more or less interchangeable. Because I don't like either of them right now. But they deserve to at least be on a draft board. All right, let's keep going. Davis Bertans, not coming. C.J. McCollum, 
At 63, I like that. Uh, this, this is an interesting one because he was extremely durable during the regular season. Portland is on that precipice right now. Remember, we've talked about that, where if they lose a couple of games out of the shoot, they could just be cooked. But we didn't really make a massive adjustment with Dame. In fact, we, we put him at number four because of how well he was playing beforehand. There's going to be a mellow. It's going to be a nurk. So you'd think maybe those guys do a little bit less. But I don't know, man. Nurk is just going to be so banged up. And Zach Collins is not exactly a high-usage guy. Whiteside coming off the bench. I, I'm inclined to put McCollum up the board a little bit. I think he should have a decent uh, re-engagement campaign here. And uh, I'm going to put him... I'm going to put him right in that same grouping there. Tobias Harris, Jamal Murray, TJ Warren, Gallo, Ingram. Jeez, trying to slot these guys in is starting to get a little bit tougher now as the values don't, don't separate quite as much as the early rounds. Uh, let's go ahead and put McCollum right in front of Gallinari. Because I think, I think he probably plays one more game than Gallo. And that's probably enough to slot him just in front of him in overall value. That's where I'm at right now. So everybody else moves down the board. One slot. You can hear me clicking all my keys here to make sure everybody gets slotted in the right spot. Al Horford was number 64 during the regular season with Philly healthy. I'm assuming they're going to continue to bring him off the bench. And so I'm actually going to put Horford on my wait list. Horford goes out to the wait list because he was not good coming off the bench. He was barely a top 100 guy. Which, again, in the resumption, puts him more in that 75 range, but we ain't there yet. And there are guys on our wait list that I think I'd rather have than him. So I'm going to bump Horford out. He's, uh, to me, not going to be all that close to where he was here. And you can look because, you know, you can look at uh, whatever you want to call it. Last couple of months, last, like, 10 games. That's probably the easiest way to do it. You look at the last 10 games someone played and find out where they were. Uh, Horford was actually good during that stretch because Embiid went back out for a little bit. And that's why it's a little bit deceiving because those bench games for Al were uh, blended in there at a weird time. He was, you know, in the 70s for a stretch. He was out near 100 for the stretch. Your best move here, if you... Listen, this is all. there is chance involved in all of this. You know, if Embiid misses any games or if, if Horford comes out and plays really well off the bench... But that's the case with all of these guys. We're going on a just what the data was showing us, and that is when Horford was stuck in a smaller bench role and he was playing more like 24-ish minutes per ball game, he wasn't close to being that top 50, top 60 guy that we know he often can be. Now, it's also worth noting, he started for Ben Simmons at the end of the regular season in that power forward spot. And so he was putting up big numbers then as well. There were only a couple of games where everybody else was healthy and Horford was coming off the bench. So maybe we can catch this where other teams uh, in your fantasy league might not. He was not good as the first man off the bench. He wasn't. That's why he's off our list. Aaron Gordon, uh, was uh, sorry, I'm looking at the last 20 games. Was actually right there in by Al Horford. He's he's nowhere near this list and the other thing, but we do love him. Buddy Heald was number 65 during the regular season, and uh, played in 64 ball games. Tested positive for COVID, which 
if we didn't get that news, I think I probably would have tossed him up there a few slots ahead of some of these last few guys on our list. I would think at least in that Gobert, Miles Turner chunk, maybe even a tiny bit higher, even with him coming off the bench. But what I'm going to do instead is um, I'm going to put him just in front of Norman Powell, but I'm a little bit worried on this front. I, I admit, I you know, we don't know how guys are going to bounce back. He was coming off the bench as a gunner when the season ended, which wasn't dramatically impacting his fantasy value. But if he's coming off the bench and he's not 100%, then he's a guy to me that slides down the list and probably ends up behind Norman Powell at the very least. Right now, we're just going to put him in a one-two punch there at 42 and 43, and uh, we'll make some adjustments again later on. Jaron Jackson Jr. was number 66 during the regular season. He is now healthy for the resumption. Don't know how hard they're going to push him. I will place him behind Marcus Smart and in front of Brooke Lopez. I think he'll probably go earlier than this in most of your fantasy drafts because he does still have that big upside. Uh, but I don't, I don't trust his conditioning all that much. And for that reason, it makes me a little bit nervous. You know, this is one of those ones where someone's going to take a big swing and it might land or it might be a big swing and a miss. And I'm just not willing to dabble there where, you know, I know we have value in other spots. I may readjust him up a couple of ticks, get him ahead of Marcus Smart, maybe ahead of Norman Powell, but I think that's probably about as high as I'd go. Will Barton was at number 67 during the regular season. I reckon he'll probably miss one game. We can put him in front of Brooke Lopez as well. Uh, this one, to me, is an easy one. You know, Denver is a relatively predictable team at this point. They'll play most of their guys, most of their minutes in most of the games. And so when that's the case, you just sort of slot them in where it makes sense. And, and here, it's ahead of the guys that are likely to not play as much, meaning, again, Brooke Lopez and Ricky Rubio, who maybe we should have just put to the side, considering how many guys we're putting in front of them now. Evan Fournier at 68. Well, hmm, this is a questionable one, because Fournier played in 61 games this year, and Orlando's going to be playing hard, so he really could play in all eight of these things. So what is the difference there? Do we think that he plays in one more game than, say, Will Barton? Or does he play in more games than Norman Powell? All of these things are reasons for him to potentially jump ahead of those guys. And it might be reasons for us to consider moving some of those other guys down the board. Like, do we think Powell really only plays... Do we think he plays seven? Do we think he goes as low as six? I think Norman Powell plays seven games. I think Marcus Bart probably plays seven games. Jaron Jackson Jr. might play all eight, but I do think there's going to be a ramp up there. Will Barton, probably seven. Fournier's probably looking at eight. And so I'm going to put him in front of... Uh, I'm going to put him in front of Barton, and I'm going to regret it, I'm sure, at some point. But I think Evan Fournier is going to play in all eight games, and I think that's your reason why he slots in ahead of uh, Barton. You could almost, so look, the difference between Norman Powell and Evan Fournier now is not that great, but it's not insignificant now. They were 15 slots apart during the regular season. That's about the difference of one game for these guys, and so that puts them very close. But I think I'd rather have Powell, mostly because uh, I like what he does a little bit more. I like what he does a little bit more. Um, but again, you could make arguments on this front. Jalen Brown. 
I, it's the same thing again. I think you put him in front of Brooke Lopez, and I think you put him in front of Ricky Rubio. Frankly, I'm going to stop readjusting those guys until we're done slotting dudes in front of them, because right now, pretty much everybody is destined to play more than Lopez and Rubio, and so they just keep getting pushed down the board. What about Lonzo Ball? Uh, I think he plays in all eight of these games. I like Lonzo a lot, and I would put him a few slots above these other guys. He was playing really well towards the end of the regular season. I think he's playing in all eight of these games, and I would consider taking Lonzo potentially even in front of his teammate in Brandon Ingram. He was playing better than Ingram towards the end of the regular season because his game is all about chemistry. So I'm going to put Lonzo Ball way up the board. I'm I'm very bullish on him in an odd twist since... Generally, I fade guys that have some name recognition, but I think he disappointed people long enough to where, you know, number 70 overall, folks may not have realized that he was a top 20 guy the last month of the season and top 25 the last two months of the season. He was very good, and he's going to play a lot during this resumption. So forget, like, a few slots here. We're, we're pushing Lonzo pretty far up the board. So let's keep let's keep going through names here. Do I think he's going to be better than Tobias Harris during this resumption season? I think there's a chance, but I think we're getting close now. Demonis Sabonis, Jamal Murray, Jonas Valanciunas, Donovan Mitchell. You probably don't have to take him ahead of some of those guys. But boy, as we do our tweaks later on, there are going to be cases made on a lot of these dudes. So I'm going to put Lonzo Ball in right behind Tobias Harris. And we're going to have to do some serious readjusting on what the numbers are for all of the guys on our list. And, and this is why maybe it's better just to put names on a board and don't even put numbers on them yet. But Lonzo could very easily beat even that high draft position. He was really good. Last two months averaged 13, 7, and almost 9. Two and a half combined defensive st- uh, stats and also almost three three-pointers a game. He was significantly better than Brandon Ingram over that stretch, and he was right next to Drew Holiday. So, I mean, we could even go higher. He was better than Donovan Mitchell over that stretch, better than JV, better than Sabonis, better than Tobias Harris. I mean, he was he beat out all, better than Kemba Walker. He was clobbering. So we might even move him up farther. But not yet. We'll take it easy just for the time being. But believe me, we're going to go back and we're going to reassess here in the not-too-distant future. I want to put a pin in this thing for now. Um, we're getting up near the 40-minute mark on the podcast. Lonzo was number 70 on the original board, so we do have a pretty uh, standard cut point here. But while we're at it, and while I'm frantically adjusting the numbers on everybody on my list while doing the podcast, by the way, not that easy to do. If you uh, if you don't believe me, try to do it without sounding like an idiot and talking out loud. Um I've lost, I think we're at 51 players now on the actual resumption board. Yeah, here we go. As we get, I'm finally caught up here. It's 51 on the resumption board, five waitlisters at this point. Do any of the waitlisters slot in? Um, I think we're getting pretty close to Hassan Whiteside. We're probably getting relatively close to bringing Horford back in. We're definitely getting close to Rashawn Holmes being relevant because I do still think he has about 24-ish minutes per game. I think I'd probably rather have Rashawn Holmes than Brooke Lopez at this point. So uh, let's start slotting some of these dudes back onto the list. Um, Brooke Lopez versus Rashawn Holmes. I'm going to go Rashawn ahead of him, which is going to 
boggle a lot of folks' mind, but I just think Holmes is going to play all eight games, and so that's not that's not something you can sneeze at. And Hassan Whiteside and Al Horford, do we get them onto the list yet? Mm. Oh, man, I really don't trust Whiteside in a bench role. He's still going to have enough to do playing pretty much every backup center minute, but uh, no, no, I'm not going to bring him back on yet. So our wait list now is Whiteside, Isaac DeRozan, and uh, Al Horford, who, uh, again, we're, we're pushing him down the board here in his weird bench role. So we got 51 names on the actual board. Um, again, reserving the right to keep putting people in front of Brooke Lopez and Ricky Rubio, but uh, I hope some of these names didn't boggle your mind too much. What we'll do, by the way, uh, tomorrow we'll probably get through the next 20 to 25 names on the list. We're going to go a little deeper than we normally would, so instead of a top 100, you might go as far as 110, 120, because a lot of names are getting eliminated along the way. And then, whatever that happens to be, maybe Thursday or Friday of this week, we'll go back through our final list and make our tweaks so by the end of this week, we should have our resumption draft board. And of course, we'll react to any news that comes out uh, in the NBA over the course of the week as well. Okay, nothing big happened while we were on air. I think we can officially sign off safely. And I'm sure as soon as I post this thing, something will break in the NBA ranks. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Enjoy your Monday, everybody. We will talk to you all tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.